0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church, entitled, Soul Wars, Part 6. Enjoy. I want to help you win in this war. What war are we talking about? Well, we're talking about soul wars at, at Highway Church. We're in a series now called Soul Wars. And it's a war that's happening each and every day. And it's going on right now. And it's a war between darkness and light. Darkness doesn't like you at all. Satan is real, and his demons are real, and they have schemes against you. Isn't that something? Spirits don't have to sleep, so you know what they do? They, they strategize. So he, he's trying to come up with strategies to keep you from experiencing Christ, from keep, to keep you from fulfilling your God-given destiny. Isn't that a stinker, right? He's trying to keep you from living the abundant life that Christ came to give you. How does he do that? By trying to get you to believe things about God that aren't true. Trying to get you to believe things about yourself that aren't true. Religion is one of his greatest weapons, right? He uses religious doctrine that man created to to keep people from experiencing the abundant life that Christ came to give us. Hosea 4.6, powerful scripture. This is God speaking. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, right? We know he's not talking about academic knowledge, right? He's talking about knowledge of him. My people, those are, those are the people in God's house, right? The people who know him are destroyed. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about his people. How is it that his people lack knowledge of who he is? Because they've been listening to the wrong voices. His people should know him. But if you'll read through the Scriptures, you'll see oftentimes that's not not the case. His people end up criticizing him and complaining and rejecting him. But not us, right? We know him, right? So we want to have true, real, vivid, clear life knowledge of him we want to know who he really is not who our church says he is but who he is now if our church is telling us the real deal that's a good thing right that's why this church was started we want to do we make mistakes no one's perfect we're, we're endeavoring to give you just jesus free from any doctrines of man that's our whole focus Again, we make mistakes when no one's perfect, but that's our focus and that's where our energy is at, to give you just Jesus, the Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you get to know that Jesus, you can see the destroyer defeated in your life. God's not the destroyer. Who's the destroyer? Satan is, right? How do I know that? Did I come up with that doctrine to try and create a nice positive message? Hmm? How do I know that? How do I know that God's not the destroyer? Yeah, Jesus told us that, didn't he? Right? In John chapter 10, verse 10, he told us very clearly that Satan is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? It's good to go with Jesus. You should read the Bible through the light of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, you can't understand the Old Testament if you don't read it through the light of Jesus Christ. You'll be very confused. Very confused. He's the light that we need to see God clearly. All right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the remedy for the darkness is looking to Jesus, right? Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, not my dad's version of Jesus. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, John acts Jesus. I say that a lot, because I really want you to get this. right? This is where you didn't come to hear a man or a woman uh, speak some philosophy today. right? We came to worship Jesus, and we're listening to the Holy Spirit Amen. through His word. And by his spirit, God is strengthening us and quickening us. So the remedy is to look to Jesus because he's the light that we need to see clearly. And I like what 2 Corinthians, uh, is it 2 Corinthians 2.11? I like what it says. We're looking to Jesus in order that Satan might not outwit us. Okay. <laughs> Man, that's so good. See, if I'm looking at my circumstances, to determine what God's will is for my life, Satan's going to outwit me. I've got to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus so that Satan would not outwit me, for we're not unaware of his schemes. We realize we're living in a fallen world that's falling apart. All right, we're going to get into some things. You got your seatbelts on? Are you all right? Can we get into the word? Is it okay to read the words of Jesus in church? Can we do that? All right, we're going to do it. All right, let's do it. Let's get into Jesus. So now, we've been learning in our last message that Jesus came for two reasons. This is huge. If you don't understand this, you're going to be confused, but, but, but we're going to share it with you so you can understand it and not be confused. Jesus came for two reasons. To win the lottery. No, nope, just kidding. No, Jesus came for two reasons. Number one, to be our substitute. Very important. And number two... To be our example. Don't confuse the two. He came to be our substitute and he came to be our example. But there are different roles in the same person. What do you mean? Jesus was our substitute. In this and in the role of our substitute, he is completely unique. He was the one and only Lamb of God. He lived a sinless life before God, and he went to the cross, and he paid full price for your sins and for mine. No one else could do that, only him. He was our substitute. Very important to understand that. You couldn't have taken his place. I couldn't have. Only he could do what he did. So when we speak of Jesus as our substitute, he is in a class all By himself. He's the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And all of the things that he bore for us on the cross, we are not to bear. Because he bore them for us. That's why he came. And I don't have to create my own list of what those things were. They're all in the scriptures. You can sum it all up by saying the curse of sin. Galatians 3.13, right? He bore the curse of sin and everything that goes with that. And Deuteronomy 28 will give you a very detailed description of what that curse is. But Jesus bore those things. He bore the punishment of sin, the wages of sin, our sicknesses, our diseases. Isaiah 53, 4, and 5, and and Matthew 8.17, Psalm 103, verses 3 through 5. He bore these things on the cross so we don't have to. But Jesus was also our example. Now, here's where the confusion comes. Sometimes we're talking about Jesus as our example, and people think we're talking about Jesus as our substitute, and they think we're blaspheming Jesus. Jesus as our substitute is is the Messiah, the Lamb of God. But as our example, he he was demonstrating for us how we're to live as sons and daughters of God. Okay. So in the things in which he was our example, we are to do. John 14, let's put that up there, verse 12. Now this is Jesus talking. It's kind of shocking if you, if you, if you, if you haven't majored in the words of Jesus, but he said it anyway. Jesus is talking, now this is, this is the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, but he's talking also as our example. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. What was he doing? Teaching, preaching, and healing. That's what he did, his ministry, right? He will do even greater things than these. Now I've seen over the last... Two, two or three decades, theological minds panic at this statement. And they try and water this down. Well, well, he didn't mean greater things than he actually did. He means, um, uh, he, no, he means what he said. Greater things than he did. Because he's going to the Father and the Holy Spirit came, right? I tell you the truth, anyone who has a faith in me will do what I've been doing. Let's just let him be God, right? Let's let him speak and we listen and we accept it yes. instead of trying to water it down because we're afraid of it being true, right, or, or we're, uh, it, it doesn't line up with what we've been taught. No, we're just going to let Jesus be Jesus. Now look at Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, sounds like God had a plan, right? He also predestined, that's what it means, planned beforehand, to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. This is Jesus as our example, Okay. That he might be, there it is, the firstborn among many brothers. There can't be multiple uh, lambs of God, right? That's not Jesus as our substitute. That's Jesus as our example. You see the difference, right? As our example, we are to imitate him. He was our example of a man born of a woman. Wasn't he born of a woman? Yeah. Yeah, he was impregnated. His mother was impregnated by the Holy Spirit which no one else was. That's supernatural, right? But he came out of the womb of a woman. Guess what? Every one of us did the same thing. We weren't born of the Holy Spirit, right? We were born again of the Holy Spirit. But we all were born of women, everyone after Eve, right? So he was our example as a man, someone born of a woman, walking on earth with God, taking authority over darkness, he showed us how to do that. Yes. In that, we are to imitate and do. Yes. 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 Let's look at this in Matthew chapter 9. Great example of Jesus being our example. Hallelujah. So Matthew chapter 9, look at this. This is Jesus our example now. Now, I'm going to go into some stuff that's, that's pretty, Woo. Okay. I mean, you really need your seatbelts on here. It, it's, it's, it's good, it'll set you free, but it might shock you, okay? And getting into a boat, this is verse 1, Jesus crosses over, he comes to his own city, and behold, they were bringing to him, so these people exercised their initiative, and brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a bed, and Jesus seeing their faith, right? So they, they, they were putting their faith in Jesus, he did not call them and tell them to come. They heard about him. They believed in him. They exercised their faith and brought their friend to him. He seized their faith. Says to the paralytic, take courage, my son. Your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the religious experts said to themselves, this fellow blasphemes. That's the cry of religious minds. Blasphemy, blasphemy, blasphemy. Right? And they miss what God is saying. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk, but in order that you may know. Uh Uh-oh. In order that you may know. So Jesus wants us to know something. Know means being sure and certain of in order that you would be sure and certain of that the Son of Man, now the King James, or most translations translate that, but in the, in the, uh, in the Aramaic or the Greek, there's no capitals there. All right? What does Son of Man mean? Son of Man. Right? Born of a woman. Okay? Has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Rise, take up your bed, and go home. Let's look at the next verse here. And he rose, he went home, verse 8. Now look at this. But when the multitude saw this, they were filled with awe. This is the Scriptures now. And glorified God who had given such authority to who? Yeah. Those born of women. Okay? Okay? We're just reading the scriptures. Don't get mad now. We're just reading. How can you use your authority if you don't know you have it? I'm just saying, I don't know, like a, what if a police officer on his day off woke up and just out of habit, he put his uniform on and didn't realize he was doing it, and he went out and did his, you know, went to the store and got some things, and people were looking at him funny, and he didn't know why, because he forgot he had his uniform on. And after running all his errands, he gets back home and his day off, and he, he goes to, you know, he kick back, and he looks in the mirror, and he oh, my uniform's on. He sees the badge and the hat and the belt. He says, oh, see? Well, well that's, that's what it's like when we look at the Word. The Word's a mirror, and we see the authority that God has given us when we're looking in the Word. Okay. But if you're not looking in the Word, you're going to be like that policeman walking around that doesn't know he has a uniform on. And people are, gonna, people are not going to listen to you, right? They, the, the enemy's not going to stop when you tell them to stop because you don't recognize the authority that you've been given. So we look in the mirror, which is what we're doing right now, and when we look in the mirror, we see God has given authority to us. Let's keep going. John chapter 10. Uh, it, it's, it's getting, it, it, we're getting deeper here. You all right? I mean, here, we're going into something now that, whoo, some tops might blow off on this one but we're just going to read some more Jesus. Can we read more Jesus in church? Yes, yes. Is that all right? All right. Maybe we should read Plato or something or Socrates. I don't know. So here we are in John chapter 10. says, Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. All right. And Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. Look at verse 24. The Jews gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. You know, I've heard Christians say that. Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. I think, what Bible are they reading? What Bible are they reading? Verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you. Hello. Right? He didn't keep secrets. He made it very plain who he was. But you did not believe. See, this is where the error is. It's on us, not him. So much doctrine comes about out of the error of man instead of who he really is. The error is on our part. If we don't accept his word, why are we faulting him for what happens in our lives? Come on. We've got to believe what he says. I did tell you, but you didn't believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. Uh Uh-oh. My sheep listen to my voice. Ooh. I know them and they follow me. I give them, I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. Hallelujah. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. See, you're secure in Him. Isn't that great? Nothing can separate you from God's love for you. Isn't that good news? Verse 30, I and the Father are one. 31, against. Excuse me. again, which means this happened before. What do the the religious folks do? Pick up stones to stone him. Can you imagine that? This is God talking, and they don't like it. Religion doesn't like God. Did you know that? It's true. But Jesus, so they're, they're picking up stones to stone them, and Jesus said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any of these. Oh, well, thank you. That's so nice of you. How considerate of you! I thought you were stoning me for one of those. But if you're not stoning me for one of those, well, then go ahead and throw. (laughs) We're not stoning you for any of these," replied the Jews. "But for here's the religious cry: blasphemy! Right? Because you a what? Claim to be God. How mad the devil gets! When you realize who you are in Christ. How mad the devil gets when you dare to stand up and take your place in Christ. He will accuse you. He'll criticize you. He'll cry blasphemy. And he's got religious friends that will join in with him. Hallelujah. And that's what religion's done. It's created this uh, uncrossable abyss of doctrine that you can't, between you and God. But Jesus didn't do that. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He'll do even greater things. Weren't we made in God's image? I thought I read that somewhere. Maybe it was in the Reader's Digest or something. All right, verse 34. Jesus answered them. Oh, Look what he does. Is it not written? Isn't that how he talked to Satan in Matthew chapter 4? He goes to the Bible. I love it. He never defends himself. He just says, my dad says, right? Isn't it written in your law? I have said you are God's. Whoa, now wait a minute. I mean, we're we're in blasphemy territory now. Who would ever dare to make a statement like Jesus just quoted? Who said that? I've said you are God. Well, Jesus did, but who's he quoting? God. Where is that at in the Bible? Yes, Psalm 82, verse 6. Let's look at that. He's just quoting his dad. In the midst of persecution with stones ready to fly, he says, my dad says. Isn't that great? I love that. What's my dad saying? Now, here's God talking. Can we go there, Eden? Oh, oh, we skipped a verse. We're going to go to Psalm 82. Let's read this too. I skipped it. I'm sorry. Verse 35. Yeah, let's look at, look at verse 35. I go back, Eden. That's me. I jumped. Go back to John, t- uh, yep, John 10, 35. So he keeps on speaking. He said, if he called them gods, that's God, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, we have the next verse there, verse 36, what about the one whom the father set apart as his very own son? And sent into the world. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said I am God's Son. Now let's go back to, to, to the verse that he's quoting. You'll see Jesus quote the scriptures regularly. That's what he made his decisions based on. Yes. When the enemy came against him, was whether it was through other people persecuting him or directly, he said, My dad says, right? It's written. This is what I live by. Now, Psalm 82. I said this is God talking to the people he gave his word to. All right? I didn't write this. I'm not trying to create something new here. This is not new age. This is not humanism. All right? Humanism says you're, you're the way, the truth, and the life. Right. Humanism says we're all gods of our own universe. Right? That's not what we're saying here at all. No. Be very clear on that. All right? We didn't create the universe. God is the only true and living God right? He's the only one who has no beginning and no end. He's the Alpha and the Omega, and he's in no danger of losing his position, right? And he's not afraid of that, never was, never will be. He knows who he is, and his throne is secure. But he does want you to know who you are in him, all right? So God is speaking to the people he gave his word to, and look what he says, you are God's and all of you are children of the Most High. What's he saying? You're my sons and daughters. I made you in my image. Okay? Understand, this is not a humanistic philosophy. He's saying, you're the ones I made in my image. You see that? Now, let's keep going. Let's read some more Psalms. Psalm uh, 8. We're going to keep on. You all right? What is man? Good question. Don't go to the Discovery Channel for the answer. Look to your dad. What is man? That is the age-old question. What's life all about? It's about knowing him. Very simple. What is man that you take thought of him and the, there's that phrase again. Son of man. You know, Jesus used that. You'll see that phrase about 80 times in the ministry of Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about 80 times he called himself the son of man. I think we need to we need to get a hold of something, don't we? We need to realize who we are in him. And the son of man, do you care for him? Good question. What's the answer? Verse 5. Yet you made him a little lower than God. Now, do you have a translation? We have a translation that says little lower than the angels. Anyone have a translation there? Some translations say the angels there, that's not correct. Say, so how do I know that's not correct? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that we will judge angels? Oh. We're, into, we're into spiritual stuff here, right? Yeah. We're spiritual beings. So we're going to judge angels how much more of the things of this life. You know, angels are ministering spirits sent to serve us. We weren't made lower than the angels. We're going to be judging the angels. Okay, let's go back to Psalm, uh, Psalm 8 there made a little lower than God, yet you have made him, and you have crowned him with glory and majesty. So the word there is Elohim. It can be translated either way, but the correct translation in this verse is God. New American Standard and others have that. All right? So you've made him a little lower than God. That sounds like Genesis, doesn't it? Let us make man in our image. See, we don't bring honor to God by denying that. That's not humility, denying what God did. We embrace what he's done, and that brings honor to him. God decided to make us in his image. We didn't. There wasn't a a religious team that petitioned him and said, will you please make make us in your image? No, he's love. And love says, I want children. Let's make man in our image. So we we realize that. And now we understand that we were made in the image of God. We are his sons and daughters. He is our father. And it changes the way we think about ourselves. And it changes the way we behave. Because when now, now we know God is our Father through faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, well, let's keep reading. Let's go back to verse five. Verse five. Yeah, you've made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. Look at this, verse six. You make him to rule. Oh boy. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. That's on the earth, right? Including Satan and his devil, right? His demons. All sheep, all oxen, also the beasts of the field. Whatever passes through the pass of the seas. What's this sound like? Genesis 1, doesn't it? 26. Yeah, let's go to Genesis 1, 26. See, in, in the military, they, tr- they teach you about the authority you have because they know you're going to be put in situations and you're going to need to know your authority. Amen. We're learning about the authority you have. Yes. We're in God's army, aren't we? Yes. You're learning about the authority you've been given so Satan won't take advantage of you. God said, here it sounds just like Psalm 8, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion. Yes. We know that word means sovereignty. It means Lord and Master. Yes. That's what the word means. Let them be Lord and Master over the fish of the sea. We're not Lord and Master over God. We're not saying that. Only He is God, right? He's given us dominion over the earth, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. Let's see, are we going on in there? Mm, Let's go to verse 28. Verse 28. God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. That's force. Right? Why was God saying this? Have dominion over the fish of the sea. Follow the air over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Why do we need to exercise his authority? Because Satan was in the earth. Still is. Right? God knew that. He was giving us authority, and we've got to exercise what he's given us in order to live the life that he's made us to live. Hallelujah. Now let me see here. Lord over the earth. Do you know the earth is not your mother? I know that's not politically correct, but it's, not, it's true anyway. Listen now, the earth has never sustained life. The earth has never produced life. The earth cannot give life. The earth is a thing that God sustains with his word. It's his word that was spoken that produces life in the earth. Very important to understand that. We owe nothing to the earth. The earth has done nothing for us. We owe everything to him. Very important to understand that. We've been given authority over this earth not to worship it. How weird would that be to worship a rock that God made instead of worshiping him? To, to develop philosophies and programs and organizations for the earth. Wouldn't that be odd? You don't see that happening, do you? Anyway. Where the earth becomes the focus of our living instead of the one who made the earth. Ooh, that would be odd. That would be very strange. That will never happen, right? Hallelujah. So God, the earth, the only reason anything grows on the earth is because God spoke. The only reason. If God would have never spoken, no earth. Doesn't Hebrews tell us that? The worlds were framed, right, by his word, and and the power of his word, the word of his power sustains everything, right? Chickens couldn't live if God hadn't spoken, right? There'd be no no animal life. There'd be no any life, right? God is the sustainer of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is who God made us. Now, what happened? So God put us in authority over the earth, and we know what happened. Satan came along, right? And he stole the authority that God gave us, and he took it. And Romans 5.17. Let's read this. Very important scripture. This is in the Weymouth translation. Romans 5.17. It says, For if through the transgression of the one individual... Who's the one individual? There it is. Who's that one individual? Adam. Yeah, right? Death made use of the one individual. Who's death? Satan, right? So if through the transgression of Adam, Satan made use of Adam to do what? Do you see that? To seize the sovereignty. What sovereignty? The sovereignty God gave to Adam. Seeing that? So if through Adam's transgression, death made use of Adam to seize or to steal the sovereignty that God gave to Adam, all the more. See, that's bad news what happened, obviously, right? Everything changed. That's when the earth, uh, when the curse of sin entered the earth, when the earth went from being a paradise to, to a fallen world falling apart, Right? So it was a horrible thing that happened, but the good news is Jesus came. And it says, all the more. So in other words, what Jesus did is infinitely greater than what Satan did by seizing that sovereignty, right? All the more shall those who receive God's overflowing grace and gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one individual, Jesus Christ. Notice in the Bible how much it talks of authority not only of God, but of us. It's talking about us right there. It's about those who receive God's overflowing grace and gift of righteousness reign. You have to be a a royalty to reign, right? Reign as kings in life through the one individual, Jesus Christ. Man, is that powerful. This is who we are. We are royalty in the earth. We're sons and daughters. Our Father is the King of kings. We're not lording over other people. We're not asking anyone to bow down to us except Satan and his demons. Right? And anything that has to do with the curse of sin. If anything that Jesus bore on the cross for me tries to enter my life, I say no. And I take authority over it. I say you're not allowed in my life in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's read another scripture, Colossians chapter 2. Look at this, similar to Romans 5.17. Isn't it great just to read the Bible? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Whoa, that's so good. He forgave us all our sins. Verse 14, having canceled the written code With its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. That's Jesus as our substitute, right? Now, I want you to understand, look at this next verse. Jesus didn't have to do this for himself. He's always been the king of kings. His authority was never in question. He did this for you. Having disarmed, some translations said stripped, the powers and authorities. What's he talking about here? In in, in the spirit realm, in darkness, right? The spirits of darkness. He stripped them of the sovereignty that they stole from Adam. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What did he do? So here, let's, let's just quick summary. God says, let us make man in our own image. He makes man and woman in his image. He gives them sovereignty over the earth on his behalf to rule over darkness, to ensure that light reigns in the earth, right? Satan comes along and deceives them and gets them to believe that he's telling them the truth instead of God. They put their faith in Satan, right? And, and and they they forgot the principle of Romans 6.16 that you're under the authority of the one you obey. So that Satan seized their authority over the earth and he took over the earth. Are you saying Satan is the god of this world? Yes. Guess what? Jesus said that. More than once, he called Satan the prince of this world. Now he didn't. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. John John 12, 31, John 14, 30, and one of Jesus' disciples, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, he calls Satan the God of this world. Where did he get that authority from? God didn't give it to him. Adam did. This is real life, folks. And people will fight you on this, but the Bible teaches it from A to Z. But Jesus came back, and he went up against the devil. He he became our substitute, went to hell on our behalf, but hell couldn't hold him because he was pure. And on the third day, the Holy Spirit raised him up, the firstborn from among the dead, and on his way out, he stripped the devil of the sovereignty that God gave to man, and then what did he do when he appeared to his disciples? He gave it back to us. Last scripture, Matthew 28. Last scripture, Matthew 28. Jesus has risen from the dead. At this point, he's already stripped them, right? He's already taken that authority back. He's getting, he appeared to his disciples for 40 days. He's getting ready to ascend back to the Father. Here are his last words. This is what has been rightly named as the Great Commission right? He's getting ready to go back to his dad. But before he does, the first thing out of his mouth, all authority. Exousia in the Greek, right? Authority. Some could say power, but it's not physical power he's talking about here, although we got that in the Holy Spirit. In Dunamis, he's talking about authority that a king would give to you. All authority has been given to me, see you later. No. No? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. It wasn't for him. He already had it. Right? Right? Right. As our example, he was telling us to walk in it. Verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of. That's a term of authority. When I come in the name of someone, I'm coming with their authority. See? He's saying, all authority's been given to me, I give it back to you so you can make disciples of all nations in my name. The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at it in Mark real quick. Mark 16. This is Mark's recording of the same commission. Right? Jesus said to them, go into all the world, preach the good news to every creature. Verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Next verse. These signs will follow those who believe. So faith has to come into play here, yes. doesn't it? Yes. Right? Amen. I can't tell you how many times people say, well, I don't believe that. Well. Okay, then. You're not going to walk in it if you don't believe it. Right. This is what's all about what we believe. If you don't believe it, you're not going to see it. Right. People want to see it and then believe it. It doesn't operate that way in the spiritual realm. Right. Right. right? You believe, you receive it, and you have it. These signs will follow those who believe. Do you believe? You really need to ask yourself that question privately. Do I really believe what Jesus did for me? Do I really believe that God has given me his authority through his son, Jesus Christ, to reign over darkness? Do I really believe that? You'll know whether you do or not because darkness is going to come at you at some point in your life and how you respond is going to be evidence of what you believe. In my name, there it is again, term of authority, Authority is paramount in the spiritual world. Paramount. It's all about whose authority you're under. And you're either under God's or the enemies. There's no in between. In my name, under my authority, what will they do? They'll take authority over dark spirits. Cast out demons. Have you ever cast out a devil? It's fun. It is. It's really fun. I mean, I've experienced different times and different levels of that. And, boy, there's times you see a look in someone's eye that is not human. And you can sense it, especially if you've done it before. And you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out. And they can't they, they can't. they don't know what to do. They might fight you for a while, but they have to go. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. Next verse. They'll take up serpents if they drink. What did Satan come to Eve as? Mm. And if they drink anything deadly, oh, by no means hurt them. Sounds like Luke 10, 18, and 19. Behold, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. They'll lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Oh, boy, we got to stop right here. Listen, next week, if I've got my signals right, we are going to exercise our authority and and help you to do this in your own life. We're going to stop here for time's sake. All right? So Jesus came as our substitute, absolutely. The one and only Lamb of God, the Alpha and the Omega, took our place on the cross, bore our sins, and only he could do what he did. But he also came as our example, and what he did as our example, he exhorts us to do. And primarily, that's taking authority over the darkness right? So we're men and women walking on planet earth in a relationship with God as our Father, taking authority over darkness. Hallelujah. Now we're going to pray a prayer together to close. Is that all right? Eden, do you have that one? Can you put that up there for me? All right. So this is a simple prayer. And I'll tell you what I started doing decades ago is just just learning the, the, the Word of God and praying it. I found it, it's better than the prayers I come up with, right? I mean, you can pray. You can, sit, you can talk to God in your own words, but I like the way the word puts it, you know? So what I've done, I've taken Romans 5, 17, Colossians 2, 13 through 15, Acts 17, 28, Romans 8, 16, boiled it all down in a crock pot and put together a little prayer, okay? So this is that we're just going to speak it together, all right? We're going to exercise our authority, all right? Let's say it together. Father, thank you. For your overflowing grace and gift of righteousness. Where's that from? Romans 5.17, right? We have received it. We're acknowledging what he's done, right? We have received it. And reign as kings in life through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for triumphing over the darkness by the cross for us. Where's that from? this too. yeah just look at the bottom of the screen. but right? because of you, darkness is under our feet. Hallelujah. Yeah in you Father, we live and move and have our being. Let's say that again. in you Father, we live and move and have our being. your spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Let's praise Him. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, your truth is so refreshing. And it can be shocking, Lord. But it's all right. You can shock us. Father, go ahead. Let the electricity of your spirit flow. Through every detail of our lives, we're not playing any games. We want to be changed daily by who you are. The past is no longer our frame of reference. Jesus is. We are fixing our eyes on him. We give you full right away in our lives, Holy Spirit. Transform us. Mold us. Shape us. Change us now. And all throughout this week, Holy Spirit, you've got the green light in our hearts and in our lives. Enter every relationship, every situation, every circumstance, and reveal Christ to us. And God, if we've got to stop certain things, we're going to stop them. If we've got to end certain relationships, we're going to end them. Because we want you more than anyone or anything. If we need to change our place of employment, we're going to do it. Nothing's too great for you because you are God. And we love you more than anyone or anything. In Jesus' name. Father, right now I lift up the needs of everyone here in this place. You know all of us and you love us more than than we could ever realize. And I ask you, Father, to meet Every need in this place is only you can do according to your riches in Christ. Show yourself, Lord, in every situation, and every circumstance. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.